Welcome to this bonus edition of Bible Explained Verse by Verse. Today, I want to talk about the two witnesses in Revelation and how they relate to Elijah and Moses in the Old Testament. We've already read about Moses in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, and now we're reading about Elijah in First and Second Kings, so I thought it would be a good time. In Revelation, there are two witnesses that are coming, and these two witnesses are also called prophets that will be in the end times during the Great Tribulation, and they will tell the entire world to repent of their sins. And because they'll tell the world to repent, they'll be greatly hated, just like all the prophets in the Bible were hated for telling people to repent. Remember all the flack that Moses got from his own people? They would complain to him constantly, and he would tell them to repent constantly. And it was a back and forth thing, because they loved their sin. And because Elijah is telling Ahab to repent, he has to run for his life because Ahab and Jezebel are trying to kill him, especially Ahab's wife, Jezebel. So let's talk about these two prophets that are coming during the Great Tribulation. First of all, we know that they are men, not women. This is because the Bible calls them prophets in Revelation chapter 11, verse 10. Throughout the entire Bible, Anytime a woman is a prophet, she's always called a prophetess. In both the Old and the New Testament, there are female prophetesses. When the Bible calls them prophets in the book of Revelation, we know clearly that it has to be men, because if they were women, or if one of them was a woman, it would use the word prophetess, as the Bible always consistently uses in reference to female prophets. They are not 144,000. There are some cult churches that teach that the witnesses in Revelation are 144,000. That's a different group of people. There are 144,000 virgin males also in the book of Revelation, but they're not the same as the two witnesses. There's two ways that we know this. For one thing, the Bible never uses numbers metaphorically in relation to quantity, only in relation to time. For instance, the Bible says that to God one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. And in the New Testament, and in the book of Daniel, and other books in the Bible, sometimes when it says day, it means week. Sometimes when it says week, it means seven years. Sometimes when it says year, it means a thousand years or day can mean a thousand days, but that's always in relation to time, never quantity. Quantity is an amount, not a time. The two witnesses are a quantity because it's two people. It has nothing to do with time. That is not metaphorical. It's literally two people. Also, in Revelation chapter 11, verse 7 through 8, it says that the two witnesses will be killed and their bodies will lie in the streets of Jerusalem for three days. We know that there's only two of them for that reason as well, because some people claim that the two witnesses are actually the 144,000, and they will be killed all over the world. But the Bible clearly states that they will be killed in the city called Egypt and Sodom. Now, Egypt and Sodom are metaphors for Jerusalem, because it says it's the same city that our Lord was crucified in, meaning Jerusalem, because that's where Jesus was crucified, in Jerusalem. 
there can't be 144,000 people lying dead in the streets for three days in Jerusalem without anyone cleaning it up. In Revelation, it says that no one will bury them. They'll be left there so that the whole world can view and mock their deaths. They wouldn't be left there if it was 144,000 because it would be a biohazard. Even two people in the street is a biohazard, but you could put a rope around it to keep people from getting too close, and it wouldn't be that big of a deal for only three days. But if you had 144,000 in the street for three days, that would be a really big deal. That would make the whole city stink, and it would be a biohazard. Nobody would like that. But they can handle two dead bodies in the street. So we know that it's literally two men. They're prophets, so they're men. They're literally two. Also, the other reason we know that it's literally two people is because of Numbers chapter 35, verse 30, which says God only requires two or more witnesses against a person to establish that that person has sinned. These two men, these two prophets, are going to witness that the entire world has sinned. Also in Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 16, and Deuteronomy chapter 19, verse 15, it says the same thing. God only requires a minimum of two witnesses to establish that a sin has been committed. God will have these two men on earth to establish all the sin that's going on. Some people argue that they're candlesticks and that they're olive trees. Okay, we know they cannot be candlesticks or olive trees. Revelation 11 chapter 4 does call them the two candlesticks and the two olive trees. In heaven, there are two candlesticks and two olive trees that represent these witnesses or that have the spirit in them that these witnesses will have. And that's one of the spirits of God. But this is metaphorical. We know it's metaphorical to call them a candlestick and olive trees because in Revelation 11.10, it says that their bodies will be killed in Jerusalem. Now, if you're a candlestick or an olive tree, you do not have a body. So they are men. They are humans. And also, some people argue that they're angels, but angels cannot die. They're already in their, their eternal spirit state. Nobody can kill an angel. They already have their glorified bodies. So these aren't angels either because they have human bodies. So they're not a candlestick. They're not an olive tree or anything else inanimate. And they are human because they are killed in Jerusalem. And you can't kill angels. What will they do? They will send fire and plagues upon people. That's what Revelation tells us. And this is why the world will hate them is because of the fire and the plagues. Now remember, we have learned in the Bible so far, that God loves us so much that he disciplines us when we sin. If we won't repent, he'll let evil come into our lives to cause us to get to the end of our rope so that we're finally willing to repent. For instance, if you break the law because of God's love, he'll allow you to get arrested and go to jail to motivate you to not do that again. And sometimes people even get sick because of their sin. Because in the New Testament, there is one man who Jesus healed and he told him, go and repent unless a worse thing happened to you. So that man's sin had caused him to get sick. That doesn't mean that everybody who's sick has it's from sin, but in some cases it is. God will use the witnesses to bring evil or bad into the world so that 
the world will be motivated to repent. There will be a few people who repent and get saved, but most of them will just hate the prophets, as happened with Elijah and Jezebel. Jezebel, instead of repenting like Elijah told her to, she hated him. And John the Baptist, who was also a prophet, instead of repenting, Herodias hated him. And she was a kind of a queen at the time. She was married to King Herod, and she hated John the Baptist. When people don't want to repent, they hate the messenger, because the messenger reminds them of their sin, and that's why they want to kill the messenger. We've only read at one time where Elijah brought down fire. It was when the offering that he made was consumed by the Lord. But we're going to read that Elijah will call down fire that will actually kill people. It'll kill some of Jezebel's soldiers. And that's because they're trying to take him to his death. Well, the same thing happens in the book of Revelation. If anybody tries to kill these two witnesses, then fire comes out of their mouths and destroys that person until their appointed time to die. But if anybody tries to kill them prematurely, that person will have fire kill them. Also with Moses, Moses brought all the ten plagues to Egypt, which included famine and pestilence and all kinds of things. These two witnesses will also cause plagues around the world. When people don't repent of their sins, these two witnesses will bring plagues. So they'll bring famine, drought, diseases, locusts, whatever kind of plague that they choose. And this will be to motivate the world to repent. There will be people who get saved during the Great Tribulation because of these witnesses and the testimony that they bring. People will get saved. And because of the 144,000, which is a totally separate group, people will get saved, but not very many. Most of them will continue sinning. They have the spirit of Elijah and Moses. They resemble Elijah and Moses almost exactly. So some people think that these two witnesses will be Elijah and Moses who come down from heaven to earth. I don't think so. Because there's lots of evidence in the Bible that rather than being Elijah and Moses, they're actually going to have the same spirit from God that Elijah and Moses had. First of all, we need to realize that there's a lot of prophets in the Bible that have this very same spirit. Some have it in lesser portions, some have it in greater portions. John the Baptist had this same spirit because in Matthew chapter 17 verses 11 and 12, Jesus said that John the Baptist was the new Elijah. He said, Elijah has come. Now this is hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years after Elijah, but Jesus called John the Baptist Elijah metaphorically, meaning that he had the same spirit that Elijah had. Now just like Elijah, John the Baptist was hunted down by a queen who was a pagan who wanted him dead. John the Baptist was hunted down by Herodias, the queen, an evil, wicked pagan woman. And Elijah was hunted down by Jezebel, who was an evil, wicked, pagan queen. They both wanted him dead because they didn't want to repent, and they didn't want to be reminded of their sins. So Herodias killed John the Baptist, and Jezebel tried to kill Elijah, but she wasn't successful. Also, both of these men dressed in coarse animal fur, which is extremely uncomfortable to wear. They didn't wear comfortable linen that everybody else in their time was wearing. They weren't completely covered. They were very uncomfortable. They were probably cold at night. And both of them spent a lot of time in the wilderness. Elijah spent most of his career running and being out in the cold a lot. 
in the mountains, and John the Baptist spent his entire career as a prophet in the wilderness, out in the wild, in the cold, eating nothing but locusts and honey, or in prison. He ended his career in prison before he was killed. So both of them live rough lives. The reason that they were dressed in animal clothing is because it represents the sackcloth that prophets traditionally wear in the Bible because they're in mourning for the sins of the people. Most prophets dress in sackcloth. When Jonah went to Nineveh to preach, he would have been wearing sackcloth and having ashes on his head while he walked around Nineveh saying, in 40 days, God will burn this city. And that actually worked. The entire city repented at that time. But the sackcloth and ashes is symbolic, showing you that you will die if you don't repent. This is your last warning from the Lord. That's why the prophet wears the mourning clothing. It's in anticipation of your death if you don't repent. These two witnesses in Revelation will be wearing sackcloth and ashes, just as John the Baptist and Elijah wore coarse animal skin, which is also clothing of mourning. Now, Moses called down ten plagues in Egypt. He also did other great signs and wonders in the wilderness when the Israelites were traveling to Canaan. And these two prophets will also call down plagues and do great signs and wonders to show the people that they are from God, and that the people need to repent. Here is great evidence that this spirit is a spirit from God, and it can be put in any person at any time. Because Jesus said that John the Baptist had this spirit in Matthew chapter 17, verse 11 and 12, and in 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 9, which we are going to read very soon, Elisha, who is Elijah's protege, will ask Elijah for a double portion of this very spirit. And it turns out that Elisha did get his request from the Lord. Elijah said, I can't give it to you because this is from God. He decides who gets it. But God does decide to give Elisha a double portion because indeed there are nine miracles in the Bible recorded that Elijah performed, but there are 18 miracles that Elisha performed that are recorded in the Bible. Elisha indeed did get a double spirit. He had twice as many miracles. Now you'll notice that so-called prophets today have hundreds and hundreds of miracles attributed to them, but rarely can these miracles be documented and verified. But the prophets in the Bible did not have hundreds of miracles attributed, but they were all documented and verified. Just something to think about. But anyway, this is definitely a spirit that these two witnesses in Revelation will have. It's a spirit from God. It's the same spirit that John the Baptist had, the same spirit that Moses had, the same spirit that Elijah had, the same spirit that Elisha had. The last question is, will they come down from heaven or will they be born on earth? Because there are two people in the Bible who translated to heaven instead of dying. One of them was Enoch and the other one was Elijah. They both were translated up to heaven at the end of their time on earth, but they never died. Moses did die. He died and was buried by God on earth. So he was not translated contrary to what some cults teach. The Bible tells us that Moses died. In fact, the Bible also tells us that Satan wanted to collect Moses' bones. So that's more proof that Moses died. So some people think that Elijah and Enoch will come back from heaven. I don't think so because God doesn't need them to come back from heaven because he can put that spirit in anybody. 
as we've seen. So I believe these will be two new men who are probably alive today because I think the end times are here, right around the corner. It'll just be a few years before the tribulation. That's my personal belief. That means that the two witnesses have already been born and they're alive. But we don't know who they are and we'll never know who they are until their ministry begins. That's when it will be obvious who they are. Now there are people alive now who are already claiming that they're the two witnesses, but they don't resemble the two witnesses in any way, shape, or form. They don't wear sackcloth. Some of them aren't even men. These would be virgin men as well, just like the 144,000. Elijah was a virgin. John the Baptist was a virgin. Jesus was a virgin. Elisha may have been a virgin, but I'm not sure about him. Jeremiah was a virgin. Daniel was a virgin. Ezekiel was married, but God took his wife so that he became single when he wrote the book that he wrote. God wanted him to be single. So there's lots of virgin prophets in the Bible, and these two witnesses are virgins. They don't have wives. So you might say, well, that doesn't mean they're virgins. Well, yes, it does, since they obey the commands of God. According to God's word, you can't have sex until you're married. So yes, that does mean that they're virgins. The reason these prophets have a lot in common is because God gave each of them this very same spirit. It must be a spirit of prophecy. It could also be in part a spirit of judgment because they're allowed to make judgments on people and send plagues and fire to people to get them to repent. Now the fire would kill people instantly, so that must be for people who won't repent. But sometimes eliminating somebody who won't repent will help others to repent. Because the others have lost a bad influence in their life, and they've seen an example of what happens when you don't repent. So that's why God does kill people in both the Old Testament and in the New Testament, is so that others won't follow suit and do what they did. They will have this spirit, and they'll have, I think it'll be greater for them than it was for Moses and Elijah. I think that they'll have a greater portion than even Elisha had, because they're going to minister to the entire world that now has billions of people on it. In Moses' time, he was ministering to millions, and Elijah was also ministering to possibly millions. But these witnesses will be ministering to billions of people, about four billion people. They will have a much greater spirit, which means they'll have greater power. The signs and wonders and the miracles will be greater. The plagues and the fire will be greater. Now, what will they be like? We know from scripture what real prophets are like. And that's why I keep saying over and over in this podcast that the prophets of today are not genuine because they don't resemble real prophets at all. They in no way resemble the prophets of the Bible. But these two witnesses that are coming will be just like the prophets of the Bible. They'll be wearing sackcloth and ashes. They'll be in mourning for the deaths of all of those who don't repent. They will tell the world to repent on a daily basis. The Bible says that the whole world will know about what they're doing. The Bible also says they will be in Jerusalem. So they will be in Jerusalem and they're not going to leave Jerusalem. But they'll be on the news every single night. They'll be on a world stage. All of the news channels will be talking about them every single night saying, this is what they said today. This is who they killed today with fire. This is the plague that they started today. And there will be a lot of talk shows and commentaries saying, we hate these guys. These guys need to die because everyone's going to hate them. They're telling the world to repent and they're sending the plagues night after night. Every time you listen to the news, it's going to be, look what they did again. We need to take them out. And they will be fasting 
as Jesus fasted, John the Baptist fasted, Elijah fasted, Moses fasted. And the Bible actually tells us that these people fasted, so we know they did. It's in scripture. And they will kill people. In the Bible, Elijah kills people, Moses kills people, Samuel the prophet killed people. There are, there are prophets who kill people. Again, it's to take out the bad influences and use them as an example for those who still have time to repent. The main message is we all need to repent on a daily basis. If we know that we've sinned, we need to repent immediately and get back on track with Jesus. And he loves us and he will forgive. But repenting isn't just saying, oh, I'm sorry, God. It's actually stopping that sin. Repenting is a very serious thing. God loves us. He loves to forgive us. He hates it when people go to hell. It is not his will that even one person should go to hell. But whoever goes to hell has gone there by choice. It's because they loved their sin instead of God. We just have to make the choice to love God instead of our sin. It's that simple. And when you love God instead of your sin, then you'll be walking in repentance on a daily basis. And you'll put off the old lifestyle of worldliness and you will put on Jesus Christ and he'll be alive in you and he'll give you all the faith you need to resist sin. Anyway, I hope that encourages you.